Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Design Driven Life, where we hope to inspire you to shift your mindset and create the world that you want to live in. I'm Wendy Yates, and today I get to speak to Danielle Glido. Danielle is the founder of One Simple Wish. Every year, nearly 500,000 children are impacted by abuse, neglect, and trauma and spend time in our nation's foster care system. It can be lonely, confusing, and a bit scary. Through the innovative wish-granting platform, you can send some love to a child who needs it. When wishes come true, kids not only have a chance to be kids, but they also make important connections, experience new things, and find their passions. Welcome, Danielle. Um, I'd love to just dive right in and tell us who you are and a little bit about One Simple Wish. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, I love talking about One Simple Wish, so um, this should be fun. My name is Danielle Galito. I'm the founder and executive director at One Simple Wish, and uh, it was an organization that I started, I think we are coming up on 13 years ago. And uh, the goal was to just make more people aware of the foster care system and give them a really simple way to make a happy impact on the life of a child or a young adult who had experienced care. So uh, it was, you know, it it, it sounds really simple, but it's uh, grown into being something really powerful in not only educating people about the foster care system and what children endure while they're in it, but in also giving them a really tangible, direct way to provide support and love and happiness to somebody who is going through a really challenging time in life. So it's, uh, it's, it's just grown tremendously over the past 13 years. And um, we're now helping kids all over the country. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. So I, I talk a lot on this show about purpose and what drives our purpose and our joy. And so I would love to share why this purpose is so important to you. Well, I honestly believe that at the center of all of my joy is just helping people. It's hard to really put into words what that has done in terms of just changing my life. Um, I grew up struggling a lot with depression and anxiety, and I still do, if I'm being honest. Um, So mental health issues have always been a struggle for me. And one of the things that I found was feeling like I didn't have a purpose was one of the things that like kept me down, you know, kept me sort of repeating those, um, those negative behaviors and those negative thoughts. And when I started to do volunteer work and I started to use my intellect and use my marketing skills and like just use the things that I've, you know, developed and also have been, you know, born with and blessed with, and it was helping other people. It was like this light just went on and I finally was able to feel kind of comfortable and okay. And So I know it sounds selfish, but so much of my work, I feel like not only is bringing so much joy and happiness into the lives of others, but it really has saved my life. Um, It's been just this incredible journey of realizing that I have this, you know, gift of elevating voices of people who, and now dogs, (laughs) who, um, (laughs) who have, you know, have really powerful stories and 
they need them to be shared. And I've just loved doing it. And that is, that's at the core of everything. And, you know, that and just being a mom um, has really, like I said, it's just saved my life. I, I love children. I just, I love the innocence. I love, I love how everything is, you know, new and exciting and interesting. I love how curious they are. And I feel like the, the day I became a foster parent and I had like another human's life was my responsibility. Um, it really did force a really great change in me. So that's like super long answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I appreciate your vulnerability and sharing the mental health struggle, because I think that that's kept so hidden and so many people struggle with it. I myself struggle also with some depression and mental health issues. Even this morning, I had a little mental health breakdown, if I'm being honest. And I think it's just important for people to hear people doing great things, seeing them also as humans that also are imperfect and that we are all trying, we need each other, right? It's authentic human connection. And I don't think it's selfish at all. I think that is the point. The point is, is that we need to have these conversations and we need to be open about it, share what works for us, what doesn't, you know what I mean? What we need, um, because it allows us to then find the people um, that, that we can have to help support it and grow our initiatives. With. So thank you for being vulnerable and sharing. Um, I think it's important to share, you know, as we talk about mental health and depression and just struggles, I love that you have the rock star, you know, be a rock star um, option for one simple wish. And I'd love if you could just share some statistics about some of the abuse that happens in foster care um, and then what being a rock star looks like. So as far as statistics go, most kids who actually enter the foster care system do so because of neglect. So not the kind of textbook abuse that we're used to seeing on Law and Order, you know, and, and TV shows where it's this really dramatic, very obvious black and white issue of abuse versus non-abuse. It, it's typically a lot more gray areas, a lot more subtle. Um, I, I don't know if subtle is the right word, but it's it's not, it's most most of the time a situation where the child is in some sort of, uh, there's some sort of safety issue at home. And that doesn't necessarily mean that there's physical or sexual abuse. It could be things like, you know, severe food insecurity or just a parent who never really learned to parent. And so the child is dealing with a lot of um, having to parent themselves. And as we know, you know, kids are not emotionally or physically uh, ready to do that at a young age. So there are though over 500,000 kids at any given time in the foster care system throughout our country. So it's a, you know, it's, it is a, a lot of children that, that move through this system on any given day. And to me, what is one of the statistics that stands out most is the number of children who are removed, placed in foster care, they don't get reunified and they don't get adopted that age out of the system at 21. And, you know, to me, that's, and that's about 20, it's over 20,000 kids a year. And so they're essentially now on their own, completely and totally between the ages of 18 and 21, just very limited supports available. There's not this, you know, there's no more sort of structural system in place. Some of them end up going back to the very places that they were removed from, which we deemed unhealthy. Um, Others are, you know, marginally prepared to enter the world as quote unquote adults. And so they definitely deal with things like homelessness and poverty and drug abuse and incarceration at rates that far exceed the general public um, because they just don't have those safety nets. They don't have those supports and they hadn't been given the tools that a lot of, you know, young people are given when they're raised in a family setting. So, you know, that's to me, one of the groups that we at One Simple Wish try to focus a lot on is you know, these new, these younger adults and one of the ways that people can help. So being a rock star is just a monthly contribution 
influence of bullish as a whole. And it allows us to be proactive in situations like when someone comes to us and the need isn't just a birthday present or a new pair of shoes for the starting school year in a couple of weeks, but it's something like we had last night, a young mom who aged out of foster care, who was like, I literally have been scraping together for months. Last night, I couldn't feed my kids dinner. Can you help me with a grocery store gift card? Like, I just don't want to be in this position again. So when you contribute to us monthly, we put together a fund and we're able to like really quickly react to those um, emergency type circumstances. Um, That's so awesome. So do you guys have, um, I'm asking this question because I recently started working on a project through my foundation um, that I'm just starting to put together um, that targets these um, youth, not necessarily foster youth, but youth that have been homeless that are, or, or aged out of foster care system to help them learn some financial literacy. So it's essentially a fund that would teach them how to invest money um, and create a cash flow income by investing in the stock market and learning a skill set that's not even taught um, in the school system that really should be taught as a basic knowledge in high school, yeah. in my opinion. And so do you guys have um, some of those type of programs or relationships in place um, with other people for like education for the aged out foster care? Or, you know, what does that dynamic look like if they're in foster care? Have they gotten, what's the percentage that have gotten to a certain level of education? You know, I know I'm asking kind of a roundabout question, but I'm trying to figure out how, you know, what we're doing can inter- intertwine with, with One Simple Wish. So the wish granting program is available for a variety of, of asks. So it's really not just about, you know, things. They don't necessarily always have to be a tangible purchase. It, it can be a service. So we do have young people that come to us and they want to take a course uh, in learning how to do something like investing or, you know, learning about, um, you know, coding or something that could help them with job readiness. So the WISH program can be used for things like that. Uh, but we're, we're also in the process of launching a new platform within our platform. Uh, it doesn't have a name yet, but right now we're just calling it the Resource Forum. And we are putting together groups of professionals in different areas. Finance is one of them. Education is another. Um, uh, legal is another area where young people who have aged out can, who are part of our programs, can submit an inquiry for assistance in a ter- in a certain area. So it could be something like, I'm about to buy a car. Can somebody look at this contract for me and make sure that I'm not getting taken advantage of? Or um, I am, you know, looking to start a savings account. I want to understand a little bit more about how to budget. So they can submit the request into our forum. And then our adults that are part of it, our professionals um, can respond with advice and they can form a connection there that, that we still moderate so that there's like, you know, privacy is in place and we're keeping them safe. Um, we want to, you know, still protect their identity and not give anybody um, too much access because, you know, they, we will, we are vetting the professionals. They'll go through background checks and referrals. But at the end of the day, you still have to be really careful when you're interacting with young people, especially those that have been through trauma. So um, that resource forum, though, is going to do something very similar um, to what you're talking about, which is give them more access to people who can help them with those skills that they may not have been taught. And and you're right. I mean, things like investing are not are typically not taught in high schools um, or even in college. Um, you know, if that's not your area of study. So that is an area that, you know, we definitely believe like that and just financial literacy in general is really important for for kids. So we're hopeful that this new platform, which we're in the process of piloting, um, it it should roll out towards the end of June. 
we think that this is going to give us a lot more insight into how much of a need there is there, how many young people are actually asking those questions, and then what is the best way to deliver that information to them and make sure that it, they're consistently supported. So uh, I think that that kind of answers your question. As far as like the stats on, on education and how far youth and care go, I do think that while there's many educational disruptions, so there's lots of school moves um, and, you know, occasionally young people are, or often I should say, they're, they're behind a grade or two just because of those moves and because of the, you know, they may have been out of school for quite some time in the in their biological home. Um, there's those types of educational gaps, but most of the time we are seeing that at least the majority of young people we interact with do make it through high school or an equivalency, you know, a GED equivalency. Um, but again, you know, you're talking about a, a fairly disrupted education, a lot of moves, a lot of, you know, a lot of delays. Um, I wonder on the entrepreneurial side and starting a nonprofit, um, because this um, podcast is geared towards such kind of social impact entrepreneurs. Um, if you could also share some of the um, obstacles or, um, you know, things you had to overcome whenever you were launching One Simple Wish to get, you know, to the point where you are today with it. The beginning, it was, you know, it was very difficult um, for me to like, I, I don't want to say to stick to it, but to keep believing that it was going to be and do all the things that I thought. Um, because, you know, strangely enough, when you, <laughs> it seems like sometimes when you're really excited about an idea and you are ready to go with it, all of a sudden you start to hear the negative voices way louder than you ever heard them before. So, you know, like 30 people can be like, go for it. You're, you know, this is amazing. I can't wait. You're excited. And then one person's like, eh, I think it's a crappy <sighs> idea. And you're suddenly like, oh, wait a minute. Is this a terrible idea? Should I not go forward? So, you know, for me, I was, um, I was 30 at the time and my daughters were infants, like little, little baby babies. <laughs> and I was working full time in an ad agency. So I was working crazy hours and I didn't have a ton of time. So I was really carving out, you know, chunks of time to build this and work on it. So I think, you know, that in and of itself was, was a struggle, but I was so excited about it that I found the time, you know, whether that was six in the morning or eight o'clock at night or, you know, while the kids were napping on the weekends. So I definitely found it. It was just that like kind of fighting through those naysayers and like the people who were trying to change my vision, you know, and I don't necessarily know why they were trying to change my vision. But you know, a lot of people would look at what I was, you know, presenting to them and say like, Oh, but what if you did this, this, and I was like, well, can let's just get it going first. Because really, the best research is, I think, putting it out there and seeing how the world reacts, you know, and, uh, you know, you could tell a couple of people, you could tell 50 people, but it's not the same as really allowing it to be used and then get that kind of feedback. So it was getting to that like launch place. And then once we launched, you know, it was, I would say that not having income. So I had, I decided about a year in to leave my agency job, which was, you know, pretty well paying job. So I wasn't, you know, it was a big, it was a big move. It was a big risk. And so that took me a bit of time to, to just go for it and do it. And thankfully my husband was this super supportive and, you know, knew that I wanted to do it. And so he was behind me, but then it was not having income, like my own income, you know, and I really pride myself on being a woman who didn't rely on somebody else to financially support me. And I made like nothing for a while running one simple wish. I had to do it as a volunteer because the money needed to go to a hundred percent to the wishes so that we could, you know, prove our, prove our concept. And uh, I, I wasn't even our first paid employee 
we actually hired somebody to do um, some coordinator work, uh, fulfilling the wishes on the site prior to me being paid. So that was tough. You know, it's, it's kind and that's kind of an ego thing too, you know, especially if you're, I know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are very bold people who, you know, believe in their abilities. And when you really do have to take such a big step back professionally, it, it can, it can mess with you a little bit. Um, but I'm glad I stuck through it. I mean, I still, to this day, don't even make a, like a quarter of what I made back in, and we 13 years later. So, um, but I, you know, I, I, but I love what I do now and I wake up excited to do it. And I think, you know, if you can afford to do that, if you can afford to live on, you know, maybe a smaller income, but, uh, fulfilling your purpose every day, I, I think that's way more valuable. So, yeah, I think that, um, any entrepreneur has at least 10, 10 or more times have been told by a friend or a family member that whatever they wanted to do is probably going to fail. And I think that just comes from <laughs> not um, a lack of belief in you, but a lack of belief in themselves and, and them not being able to see, you know what I mean, what they could be capable of. And so um, I do think it's really important to share that message as well, because I think it can be very discouraging um, when people say, I don't even understand what you do. I don't understand why you want to do that. It doesn't, you know, the, it doesn't make sense. All these um, negative comments are just really about them and not about what you're capable of. And so I think that pushing through that is also kind of a mindset and comes with, you know, a thought process where you have to continue to believe in yourself and then find like-minded people to surround yourself with. Um, and having the support of someone like your husband was probably very significant um, in helping you, you know, kind of stick with it and push through. So some of the things that I, I have like little routines that I have to do. And if I don't do them as an entrepreneur, I can get discouraged just in general, even no matter how well things are going or how bad things are going. Um, so he's like, to find out if if my guests have any sort of little um, tips or tricks for their goal setting or any sort of routine that helps them, you know, overcome an obstacle of that day or of that time beyond just getting through the the general being a mom, you know, being a wife, being an entrepreneur, caring, you know what I mean, for other people, you know, trying to have that impact. So do you have any things that help you um, with your mindset for the day or overcome challenges? I still make tons of lists. And I think like handwritten lists with checkboxes next to them. So I actually like draw a box next to every item and I do it every single day. So I don't like, I, I mean, I love my phone and it's always with me and, you know, I clearly, you know, have moved on like, you know, like everybody else and doing everything on my phone, but there's something about physically writing something down and setting, like setting an intention first thing in the morning to like make that happen that day. And I leave that list intact. So I have a way of sort of taking the daily list, doing hopefully most of it, if not all of it, and then leaving that page for the week so that I can go back and make sure I'm checking all the boxes for the entire week. And then if I don't, I rewrite the items that I didn't do into a new list for the start of the new week. So I have like this sort of daily slash weekly list routine where I'm, you know, allowing myself to identify all the things I have to do in one place, because then it, it also lets me schedule it out and figure out like, okay, what are the quick ones I could kind of check off now? What are the things that maybe I could wait and leave for tomorrow? And, you know, but kind of giving 
me a sense of everything that's on my plate in front of my face instead of just in my head. So that that's been a huge help. Um, I really, I, I don't, I don't have, I mean, I do think I have a, a decent sense of routine, but I'm also a pretty spontaneous person. So I don't like to have too many commitments uh, at all because things change so much in both of the organizations that I run, as well as, you know, since we're doing remote schooling with the girls and, uh, you know, I, I, and I have four dogs. <laughs> so I like to have the flexibility of, you know, moving things around in my day, but, but definitely knowing what my day is going to look like. And then I also have like a big project list that I keep, which are all the things that I really want to accomplish that are definitely things that are going to take more time. And, but again, just writing it down and seeing it and I date it and every list is a date. So that also kind of gives me like some sense also of priority and perspective. If something has made it from week to week to week without getting done, I kind of revisit whether or not it really needs to be done, you know? So it's, that's my most helpful thing. And I stole the checkbox idea from a girl I went to high school with that I ran into in my early 20s. I was at, I, I, we ran into each other and I, and she was working in, a, in this office that I happened to come into and uh, she was behind the, the desk and she was making her list. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I always write, I always draw checkboxes next to them so I can check it off without crossing out the items so that I can see what I did. And I loved it. I stole it. And I was like 15 years ago. <laughs> so I still use it. I love that tip. I love that um, something, you know, I mean, as simple as that, like we all need kind of like whatever it is to find that works for us. So I love that tip of that visual. Like I can still see what I accomplished without it kind of feeling like, oh, deleted and it fell off. So right. super, super simple, but super effective. Right. Um, so as we close out, um, I saw in one of the um, media uh, things that you were in um, that you, you said, I'm here to be a mom to all these kids who might not feel like they have one. And I thought that was super moving and super touching. And so I just completely respect and admire you for all that you've accomplished for all that you are accomplishing. And um, I'd love to continue partnering with you both through our foundation and through Wealth at Human. Um, but as we kind of close up, what else would you like to share with our audience from a humanity perspective or an entrepreneurial perspective, whatever you feel called to, to close out with today? I think that the most important thing that I always want people to know about giving is that every single bit of giving makes a difference. So, you know, I, I love that quote, you know, and I'm going to screw it up, but the do what you can with what you have where you are. And I think it's Arthur Ashe and it's something to that effect, right? But I love the idea that, you know, you, we all have something to offer to others and we shouldn't not do something kind or helpful because we think it isn't a big deal or we think it's not enough. You know, there have been times where I, you know, personally like got a text from a friend that just said like, Hey, I just saw this and it made me think of you. And it's like, you know, a silly little meme. And I was having like the worst day ever. And getting that just reminded me like someone's just out there thinking something, saw something funny and thought of me, like how lucky I am to have people like that in my life. And it kind of gave me a little boost, you know? So, you know, it doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be tons of time. I think if we all just remembered like those little moments where you're, you think to yourself, oh, it maybe it'd be nice if I did da da da. And then you just don't like do those 
things. You know, those are super important. You don't have to start a nonprofit. You don't have to, you know, start a feeding program in your neighborhood. You don't have to do something that takes a ton of time and costs a lot of money. You can just be a good human being to the people that you care about. And, you know, that sort of kindness just has this really beautiful ripple effect. And you just never know if you're changing somebody's day or saving someone's life even. Amazing. Every bit of kindness um, that you put out to the world makes a difference. And that's what you said in our pre-interview questions. I think that's a beautiful message um, to close with. And I thank you so much for your time. Um, And I can't wait to watch all the magic that happens with One Simple Wish. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it so much. You can find out more on how to get involved with Danielle's organization at onesimplewish.org. And one of the things that she leaves us with at the end is that any act of kindness that you do can have an incredibly huge effect on whoever's life you're touching. It doesn't have to be a big gesture. So our challenge this week is to do a random act of kindness every single day, whether it's a smile, whether it's um, a a simple message to a friend, um, whether it's a donation or a giving of your time. Um, Think about what act of kindness you can do every day this week to spread the ripple effect. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please remember to leave us a comment and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. I am thoroughly loving our platform for our podcast, Budsprout. So if you are considering, and you should, starting a podcast, it's so fun. It's a great way to connect with people. It's not hard when you have the right partners. If you're looking for a place to host your own podcast, join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get your message out to the world. Start for free and receive a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up.